Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. We're going to do something a little different uh, today, a little different feel and format. Um, First thing I need to accomplish today is I wanted to dispel this myth that there's only one short, white, bald pastor running around this campus. Because I know a lot of you see us running around and you're thinking, hey, Pastor Sean, Pastor Don, our names rhyme, we got the same haircut. Um, But other than that, no, let let me say this about Pastor Sean. How many of you appreciate Pastor Sean? There is very little, if anything, that happens around this campus that Pastor Sean doesn't have his hands right in the middle of helping me. And can I just say, in front of him, on your behalf, I would not be able to do near half the things that I'm able to do if it weren't for somebody just like Pastor Sean. So in front of you guys, and for his benefit, I wanted to honor this man and the weight that he carries here at the campus. I've asked him to come and help me tag team today. We're going to be talking about groups Today, in a little different format, um, we're going to end today with an opportunity for each of you to join a group. I got asked this morning, the moment I walked in, Pastor John, is today the day? Are we joining groups today, Pastor John? I'm ready. Where do I sign up, Pastor John? You've been saying for weeks that we could sign up for groups. It's time to start. When can we do it? How can we do it? I don't want to miss it. Is today the day? Over and over again, I had somebody at the earlier service before service even started saying, I'm signing up for a group today, Pastor Don. I've been putting it off, and I know God wants me to do it. I'm signing up today. Where do I do it? So if we accomplish what we're trying to accomplish today, I'll give you an opportunity to do that very, very thing. And, uh, you know, as a pastor, one of the challenges is creating an environment for you and for those that may be visiting us where church is relevant and engaging. And uh, there's a lot of different ways to do church. There are a lot of great churches in our area. And uh, how many of you know our Savior's church feels like we know who we're supposed to be from God? And what God has called us in this congregation to be. But I take great comfort in knowing I don't have to stay up very late on a Saturday night wondering what church is supposed to look like because the New Testament gives us a really, really good example of what church is supposed to look like. And we see it all throughout scripture, this this model. And here's, here's, here's a newsflash for you for just a second, if I may. The New Testament church we read about is not the come to service, sing listen to some preaching, stay on our backsides in a pew, and after an hour and a half, we've done church, and we go and do nothing until the next Sunday when we rinse and repeat and do it all over again. Y'all read the same Bible that I do? Yeah. It is is not that type of habit or pattern that we see. Now, make no mistake, I want you to be born again. I want God to revolutionize your mind. I want him to to completely reveal himself to you in a new and refreshing way. But the New Testament gives us quite a pattern that we see. I was reminded earlier today of a story with uh, Lazarus when Lazarus died and Jesus came and he spoke. You remember the story? Jesus spoke to a dead man and he was brought to life. I don't know about you, but I had some spiritually dead areas in my life and a revelation from Jesus Christ was the only way that I was spiritually dead and brought to spiritual life again. We see that. The same thing is true. Jesus is the one that saves us. But what happened in that story with Lazarus 
Jesus saved him and then sent him to others to unwrap him. And this group idea is not new to us. We're talking about small groups today and getting you in environments with other people. It's not new to us. You sit, you read more. It was the apostle Paul who had an interaction with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was Saul persecuting the church and on his way to persecute the church. It was Jesus that came and revealed himself in a powerful way, blinded him and then sent him to Ananias. And as you read Acts chapter nine, man, I wish I could unpack this for you. Maybe I, maybe I will uh, in, in, in a few days. It is so neat. Paul gets sent not to a temple. Paul doesn't get sent to a church after he's born again. He gets sent to people in a house. And as Paul himself is discipled, he stays not in the church, not in the temple, but he stays in a house. And it's something about a house and other believers that help disciple him. That's the pattern that we see. Jesus does the saving. People do the changing and the growing and those kind of things as we continue to build those relationships. I want us to look a little bit further. Pastor Sean, can you, can you unpack a little bit kind of what we see in the New Testament for what the church actually looks like? Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I, think, I think God already gives us a playbook. It's in the New Testament for what uh, church is supposed to look like. We don't have to reinvent the wheel, thank goodness. Um, do we have any football fans, Saints fans? I, I know earlier we, we, we chatted. Um, Sean Payton is one of the best uh, play callers. His playbook is one of the best in all of football. I love football, but would y'all agree that Sean Payton could run a play, come up with a play, and execute it better than I could, right? Yeah. How many of y'all are thankful that Jesus, who could run the ultimate play, already gave us yeah. a playbook, right? So if y'all don't mind, I'm going to go straight to the Word of God and kind of help us unpack this, because if you don't get this part, and where, where it comes from, the author of what this is all supposed to look like, you won't get what we're going to unpack next. So I, I'd like to start in the book of Acts, chapter 2, 40 through, 42 through 47. Um, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. I think that's two parts with it already. We have teaching, and then we have fellowship. And then I really, I was, I was drawn to the word, they devoted themselves um, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. How many, if y'all have been around here enough, y'all know that prayer is one of the foundations of what we feel we do as a church. Um, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I think that's part of what we did yesterday. That's part of what we thank you guys for because of your generosity, because of you giving to God through the local church, we were able to go out and meet needs just yesterday in, in, our, in our community. And we've done it many, many times here in Liberia in our own community. Every day, say that with me, every, every day. day They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And I think this is a very important line here in this scripture. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In there, I don't don't see anything that describes the church as four walls. I don't see anything that says one day only. 
It was continuously daily, daily communicating out in our homes, fellowshipping. I want to go one more uh, verse in Acts chapter 5, verse 42. Here's a pattern. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. They, the they that's being referred to in that scripture is you. It doesn't say Pastor Don on a Sunday morning. It doesn't say Pastor Paul on a Sunday morning. It says they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. I think that that's the play. That's what the, new, the church in the New Testament is supposed to look like. I think it's clearly outlined for us. Yeah, you, you see that. And, and the challenge can be sometimes as we get in these habits and these rhythms of life. We got work and we got school and we got all the other... And it can almost seem like we're trying to add something onto you. Like we're trying to add something onto your plate. Well, I'm already, I'm already attending church, Pastor Don, and you want me to be a part of a small group also. No, I want you to understand something. This is not our idea. This is, this is not our idea. We didn't sit around and brainstorm and try to think, man, how can we help people continue to grow and engage? This is something that we see from the get-go that was a part of an a- average, everyday Christian life, a Christian rhythm to your life. We're just trying to help you see and unpack this. And that, that verse in Acts 247 that he talked about where the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. Look at me, church. You cannot add people daily if you're only meeting weekly. Mm. That's good. You can't add people daily if you're only meeting weekly. There's something about us going out and living what we experience here on Sunday morning. Sunday morning was never meant to be the finish line. Though a lot of times it seems that way. Sunday morning is meant to be the huddle. It's the starting block where we call the play and you go out in the world Monday through Saturday and execute what God has put on your heart to do. And it'll, it'll, it'll mess up the work if you think that the goal is to get our friends and our neighbors and everybody up to church. That's the finish line. It's not. It's to know and to grow and to be empowered to go out and be the you that only you can be to those people, to those around. You're the message that they are reading. And just as every church is different, every pastor is different, each of you is different. Can I tell you, that's by design. God has gifted you with very specific, unique callings and a personality and the story that he's given you. And that's the gospel. That's the good news that's going out and out. It's a special ministry expression for you. And when we see these New Testament groups, everybody wasn't doing the same thing. They were in house to house. And and it was that in between the formal meetings that we really see things go and take shape. I'm reminded of Hebrews 10.24 says this, discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them toward acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. Can I tell you, that wasn't written to church staff. That was not written to me, the pastor, where, where I'm being told, in order to keep church real and engaging, you gotta come up with new and creative ways to do things Pastor Don, you don't understand. People need that creativity. God created everybody individually and uniquely. How many of you know he's the creative one? Yeah. And he has designed this so that your story and his work in your life is what makes a difference out in the communities. 
Can I tell you, Christianity didn't spread because a few guys could preach really, really well. Christianity spread because a lot of people were transformed. Because there was some generosity that they saw in their life. Because there was stories that were saw in their life. There were people, they would never go to the temple. They would never go to a church building. But they saw somebody and said, I don't know if I believe everything about this Jesus, but I knew this person before, and I know this person now, and there's a change that has happened in their life. And if you tell me that change can happen for me, I'm in. There are dead areas of my life that I feel like God wants to breathe in, and that's the gospel message through the New Testament. And listen, I'm telling you, if you're taking notes today, here's the title of the message. This isn't our idea. This is something that scripture clearly lays out for us as Christians and for what God wants to do in our hearts and in our minds. So here's, here's what this looks like at OSC. We're gonna take the rest of our time today and really unpack this for you and help you see what group dynamics and what groups look like here at our Savior's Church. And quite simply, this is how we do it. We have semesters, defined start and stop points that fit into the rhythm of our lives so that you can engage and then disengage as things happen throughout the years. We have, we have different um, opportunities. I'm gonna, share, I'm gonna share one with them. Some of these you may have heard about and some may be new to you. How many of you are familiar with our freedom groups? Yeah. Freedom is an amazing amazing format. Here's what we say when we're talking about a freedom group. It is a defined curriculum that is designed to engage you at whatever step you're in in your Christian walk. It's designed to encourage you, to equip you, to help you discover God's best and God's plan for your life. Again, regardless of what stage of faith that you're in. Now here's the cool thing. A lot of people overcome hurts and habits and hangups in this freedom curriculum and with this freedom environment and with these freedom groups. But I want you to know, you don't have to be struggling with anything in order to get something out of freedom. It is an amazing opportunity to grow. A second type of group that we have, we call them our discipleship groups. You'll hear us talk a lot about these gold books that Pastor Sean is holding up in his hand. Pastor Sean, tell us a little bit about the discipleship groups. So probably a couple dozen of you have already been through one of our discipleship groups. Uh, the Gold Book, Dr. Scott Adams, who's on staff at our Savior's Church. Uh, we were fortunate enough to where he wrote this book for us. And this book wasn't meant for you to purchase and go and read the book. It was meant for you to purchase and go through it weekly with some other people. And it's real practical. It looks as each chapter starts with a, a little teaching where where Dr. Scott unpacks a topic. I just opened up to the new birth, becoming born again. And then there's some uh, passages where Dr. Scott re- uh, encourages us to read a scripture, ask a question, and then we are able to do that on our own during the week. And then we get back together and we discuss it as a group. And uh, I'm just going to give you one of the examples. It says, read Ephesians 2.1. How does Paul describe our spiritual condition before we became born again? And the whole book's just packed with practical points like this. It's a great way to unpack the scriptures and to learn some of the spiritual foundations. And here's another thing that I'm going to say. As I'm saying that, if you're hearing that this is a beginner's book, yes, it could be, but we as a staff went through it. And I would say that every single person on our staff, God revealed some things about those spiritual truths to each and every one of us. Yeah. How many of you grew up in a background where 
where maybe you didn't read the Bible, you were, you, maybe you went to church, but you weren't encouraged to open the Bible and, and read for yourself. That's, that's, that's a lot of us, uh, unfortunately. And there can be this stigma about opening the Bible and how do I read it and where do I start and, and what do I do and all of that. I'm telling you, this book will break that wide open in your life and will teach you in a very systematic and straightforward process how to learn how to read and study your Bible for yourself. And then to be in a group, envir- a group environment and find out that there are other people just like you who are trying to grow and learn in that, it's powerful. And you may say, Pastor Don, oh, okay, freedom groups, discipleship groups, and, and all of that. Listen, these are designed so that everybody can go through them. I want every single person in our congregation to go through a discipleship group and to go through a freedom group. Our entire staff, our entire team, all of our leaders to go through these groups. They're designed so that you can go through each of them. Now, many of them, I I know people that went through this book and said, man, this so changed my life. I want to continue. And now I'm leading a group for other people. I've got friends and family and loved ones and, and coworkers that I can't get to come to church to save my life, but I can put on a gumbo and invite them over. And oh, by the way, let's go through some of this and let me show you what I learned today as I was going through that and reading it. It's an incredible opportunity. And then I know people who have gone through the freedom groups and said, man, God so changed my life. This is what I'm supposed to do. And every semester they're back in it leading another group or participating in the conference, and they know this is what I'm supposed to do. For the majority of us, we go through the discipleship book, we get some foundational principles, we go through freedom, learn how to grow and be renewed in Christ, overcoming some of those things, setting that line in the sand, I call it, where we can look back and know I was changed in that moment. Those two groups are a great opportunity, but we also have some other groups, we have some topical groups as we call them, and they range and vary just as much as the people that lead them. Different stages, different areas, different seasons of life, different topics that they're covered, uh, that they'll cover. I actually want to tell you a little bit about it. How many of you went to Spiritual Renewal? Yeah, you remember John Bevere and his message? Did you know that this semester Joyce and Kelly are leading a group study in their home on a John Bevere uh, series that he's doing called the Wilderness Series? And they're opening up their homes and providing an opportunity to dig deeper in some of those things. That may be exactly what you're looking for. God, where are you in the middle of everything that's going on? That's one group and one type of group that you yeah. guys could join. Any others, Pastor Sean? Yeah, so for, for men outside of freedom, we, we have uh, a few groups. And one I want to highlight in particular, uh, Terry Powell's with us this morning. Terry and Kyle Kelly. Terry, raise your hand. Terry and Kyle Kelly are going to be leading one of our men's groups. They're going to walk through the book of Colossians. There's going to be fellowship. They'll be, they'll be connecting. They'll be going through God's word. The goal is to help us men take one more step towards becoming godly men. And, and when, when we give you some practicals afterward, if you're a man, I want to speak to the men just for a second. I want, if you need help finding a place to connect, I want you to find me or Terry and we'll get you connected in a group. Absolutely. When I heard that Glenn and Mel were going to lead a grief share group, can I tell you how fired up that, I mean, that's just something in my heart just jumped. As a pastor, I mean, you don't get to control when, when loss happens in your life. Nobody gets to choose that. You don't wake up one day and say, okay, God, I'm ready to lose something. It doesn't work that way. But to think that there's a couple in our congregation that are going to open their homes, that are going to navigate areas of loss and grief and help people navigate that, 
That is absolutely needed in our group. And we have a group just like that at this campus that Mel and Glenn are going to lead. And I want to encourage you, whether, whether that loss has occurred recently or whether that loss has been a long time ago, that may be the very best way for you to connect in this small group. I wanted you to hear about that. How about another one, Pastor Sean? Um, I'm excited to share about this one. Ladies, how many of you can relate to this? You have kids at home, and it's a challenge to get to a group, having to deal with them and, and, and find a place for them. Anyone? Well, Melanie Barranco, she had that challenge uh, in the past, and here's what I'm excited about. She's leading a group this semester that's encouraging you to bring your kids. Ladies, you have a group that you can bring your kids to, and I just yeah. think that's a phenomenal idea. Yeah. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you. And uh, she'll be in the cafe as soon as we break out. So I want to say the same thing I said to men. Ladies, if you need to find a group, you need help connecting, whether it be Freedom or one of our topical groups, find Melanie, find Kristen Judy's, find Tamika Polk. We will get you connected. Yeah. And, and this, this is what we're doing. The, these groups are very similar and very different all at the same time. Similar in format and what they're trying to accomplish. These are individuals that have opened their homes. Say, come on, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this topic. Let's continue to work. Some of them provide food. Hallelujah. Amen. Some of them share the food. Every week somebody brings something for everybody else. And some gather together for just 45 minutes or an hour to move the ball down the field in their Christian walk. I'm thinking of Dr. John and Jill Mahoney who were, who were lead a group this, this uh, semester for 20 and 30 year olds. Now listen. John and Jill are not 20 and 30 years old. <laughs> but if I had an opportunity to sit in their living room when I was 20 and 30 years old, I wouldn't have missed it. I would not have missed it. And to think that this group opportunity creates a place for people to go and grow and mature and hear from somebody like that is, is amazing and is phenomenal um, with that. Pastor Sean, why, why is groups timely for right now? Again, we know this isn't new, but why is it especially relevant with where we're at today? So, so I've been involved with, with small groups in, in some form or fashion as a participant and or leader for probably 15, 16 years now. And I think that there's never been a more timely period than right now yeah. as we've gone through and continue to navigate through a pandemic um, I think in that time period the enemy chose to isolate us through time periods where we were mandated to isolate and and I just want to go to the scriptures because again God's word's much better than anything that I can bring but in Hebrews ten twenty five in the passion translation it says this this is not yeah. the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. How much clearer can that be than in this time period? Mm -hmm. As some have formed the habit of doing. Can we be honest? A lot of us form that habit during the initial stages of, of the pandemic. And, and I know that there's some that still... Um, uh, feel the need met for medical purposes to stay home and watch services online, and I get it. But for some people, it became a habit, and I think it's time to come back. I think it's time to meet together, and I think the word's clear on that. It says, in fact, we should come together even more frequently, even to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. So I think Hebrews is clear as to why is now a good time for groups. So relevant to 
I, I know what it must be like sitting in this, and, and I imagine the question is coming to you. Okay, Pastor Don, what are you saying? Are you saying that this is absolutely critical and crucial to my growth as a believer? Is, is, is that what else is about? Like, like man, listen, if all you do is come to church on the weekend, I think scripture tells us you're missing some things. Yeah. And, and, and matter of fact, listen, we are not a church with small groups. We are a church of small groups. There's a big difference. There's a big, big difference. And if you're not engaged in a small group environment, you're missing a significant portion of what Christianity has for you. This, this is so crucial in the DNA of the New Testament church and the DNA of our Savior's church. We're not trying to reinvent any wheels. We're just running the play. Kayla and I are so bought in. We prioritize our schedules, our routines, and our families around opportunities to be engaged in these environments. We always have. Our kids look forward to, is it a small group night tonight? Is it a small group night tonight? Because they know we're doing it. That's the ebb and flow of our lives. Pastor Jacob leads a small group in his house every single week. Pastor Eugene launched our Opelousas campus from a small group that met in a home. That's how it works. It's in the DNA of the New Testament church. And I say this with the utmost respect and with the utmost reverence for you and the season and the stage of life that you're in. Listen, look at me. I love you. But if you are philosophically against participating in a group environment, this may not be your church. We are that bought in and that sold in. And I can't think of any other way to do it. A group environment is the way to go. I was talking in between services um, with a gentleman named Jeffrey, and you'll have an opportunity to meet Jeffrey if you haven't met him already. Um, but less than a month ago, Jeffrey started attending our church. And uh, he caught me in the foyer at the end of service, tears in his eyes, saying, something happened. Something happened to me. Pastor, I can't, I can't explain it. I, you were speaking right to me. And as he talked and as he shared and as the tears came and as we, as we engaged, I had a first-hand experience of a God that changes somebody in our services today. I said, man, Jeffrey, that's amazing. I'm so proud of you. And he said, he said, he said this. He's, we were met today. He was signing up for a group, a small group to be a part of. Now, Jeffrey has been here every time the doors have opened. Yes. In just a month, he's gone to Next Steps class. He showed up with a trailer and some ladders and some equipment, and we drove to Homa yesterday. Jeffrey's digging in. And he said this to me. He said, Pastor, I, if you had known me two months ago, I'm a completely different person. I'm a completely different person. I, I can't even explain what has happened. I said, Jeffrey, I can. I can tell you what's happened. You were spiritually dead. You were separated from God as a result of your sin and conscious decisions that you've made. And you came in here with a weight so heavy you couldn't carry it. 
and a burden so much you couldn't articulate it. And you sat down and you heard a life-giving message, the gospel. And not only did Jesus speak to you, but he changed you from the inside out. Jeffrey, you were born again. You went from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. And you may not realize all the growth that has happened in you in just this month. But can I tell you what it is? After you were born again, Jeffrey, what'd you do? Well, I just showed up. To what? Well, you, you, said, you said to take my next step was on that Wednesday, so I showed up. And then you said that, that we, we just, we had an opportunity to go help people and I, I'm usually not the kind of guy that helps people, but I showed up and I, I helped people. I sat in the home and man, it was amazing. Pastor John, you should have seen. I can't wait. When are we going back? I said, Jeffrey, why are you here? I'm ready to, I want to join a group. That's, that's what I need to do, right? Isn't it? That's, that's, I said, according to the Bible. And I've got a guy who's been here not even a month that has grown so much because he's just doing what scripture says to do. And listen, I can't take credit for that. He's interacted with many of you. Y'all are being the church for Jeffrey. And I want so badly for every person in here, whether you walked in off the street for the first time and you're starting to see things differently, I pray that God would be speaking to you and changing your heart in a way that he changed Jeffrey that day. But for many of us, we attend every week and we've been hesitant and we've been resistant to this very aspect of joining a group. And we've gotten in a rhythm, we've gotten in the habit of, of just, just doing our thing. And we're missing it. I would not be the pastor to you that I want to be if I didn't pull all the stops and every opportunity to say, this is the pattern, it's not our idea. I want this for you so bad. I was praying this week and asking God to help me communicate the importance of this and the urgency for you and not wanting to miss a moment with you. And it reminded me of a story early on many years ago. Kayla and I were dating and I was absolutely confident that she was the one. I mean, as if God had spoken to me audibly, she was the one. I knew it. And I knew the next step was for me to put a ring on it and to propose and for us to get engaged. But can I tell you, I was scared. Not about engagement, not about her, but about me. You may not know this about me, but prior to my relationship with Kayla, I, I had not lived pure at all. And God really changed a lot in my life when I got born again, a lot in my life. And Kayla lived a life that I had always thought was possible to live, just never saw it playing out in my own life. I, I, was, I was the first hand she ever held. I was the first kiss she ever had. I was the first boyfriend she ever had. Kayla lived for you. In my eyes, it was Mother Teresa and Kayla. Right? And Kayla was much better looking than Mother Teresa, so that's the one I went after. And I remember struggling with the idea, knowing that God was faithful and God was true 
And God was a rewarder, scripture tells us, of those that diligently seek him. And I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that somebody like Kayla was God's reward for me. I can't tell you the lie I was believing, I was struggling with, that how could I be the reward for her? Here's somebody who, they did it right. And if God was going to reward anybody with somebody amazing, it would be her. And I didn't want to mess it up. And I remember in a moment I was struggling. Again, I hadn't proposed. I hadn't engaged. And God told me, he said, you're, you're only thinking about your past. You're, you're only focused on your present, Don. But I see your future. I see past, present, and future all at once. And your past you is not the reward for her. And your present you is not the reward for her. Your future you is the reward for her. Who you're going to become is the reward for how she's lived all this time. And then it left me with only one thing. Well, if I so want to be that future me, then I need to engage. I need to take this step. And it set me free. And listen, I want this so bad for you. I know that's a lie the enemy's telling you. I'm not ready. If you knew my past, groups are not for me. No, listen, do you need to be in a group? Answer, Yes. yes. But can I tell you, that group needs you. They need to know what God has done in your past, what God is doing in your present. And they need to hear from the you in your future that God's going to bring about as a result of you engaging and stepping in to this moment. That's what it looks like. And I don't want the enemy to lie to you and keep you from engaging. Those of you that know my wife knows I would have missed it if I hadn't. Next to Jesus and the change that he's brought about in my life, my decision to engage Kayla was the single greatest decision I have ever made. And I wonder what type of growth can come about in your life if you take the step to engage in a group environment. Can I just tell you something as a pastor? I know we're talking about groups and we're going to dismiss um, a little early today and give you an opportunity to go and connect with a group. Our team is prepared. Our leaders are prepared. We have done everything. I can give you all the scripture. I can paint it out. I can tell you all the stories. We can train all the leaders, but I can't get you to engage. You're going to have to do that on your own. And I want to ask you this. Can you bow your heads real quick and close your eyes? Because I believe this to be true. I believe that God is speaking to us. And in this room aren't just those that need to take a group step tonight. I think there's another person like Jeffrey here in the room today. That through a moment like this, we're talking about small groups and we're talking about New Testament and we're talking about changed lives. And God's been stirring something in your heart. And I think here in the room with us today are some people who would say, Pastor Don, I, I need this. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about a group, but what I mean, Pastor Don, is I, I need Jesus to change my life. And I think it's possible. 
I think I came in here today not knowing what to expect. But God has opened my heart. He's opened my mind. I see things differently. And I think the way Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he wants to raise me from spiritual death to spiritual life. And I think the way the Apostle Paul was blinded, I've been blind. And I want to see. If you're here and you want me to pray with you to be born again, it's, it's very simple. It's, it starts like our ABCs. It's A, we admit that our sin has separated us from God. That we cannot reach Him. We cannot be restored to Him apart from a sacrifice that Jesus makes for us. He paid a debt we could not pay. It's B, it's believe that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of our lives. It's believe that he's the Son of God that, that paid that sacrifice that we couldn't pay. And then C, it's confess. Confess with our hearts and with our mouths that Jesus is Lord of our life, that we're willing to put aside our past and our present to grab hold of his future for our lives. And if you're here with me today and say, Pastor Don, before we talk any more about groups, I want to be born again. Will you pray with me today? If that's you, can you raise your hand? I want to see who I'm praying with. Thank you, Jesus. I see hands. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody else? In the balcony, I don't want to miss anybody. Thank you. I see your hand. In the New Testament, when we when we read scripture about how church happened, it was Jesus that saved us. But it was a group of believers that helps us along the way. So church family, as I pray with those who are gonna pray this prayer with me and repeat after me, can we pray that together? Just to be symbolic of the fact that none of us is doing this alone. We're all gonna do this together. Those of you that raise your hand specifically, but everybody else, repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. And I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my Father, that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and the Holy Spirit is my helper, and that heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, can we celebrate with all those?